0: American Timelines as a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com oh, okay. So now
1: I'm obsessed with time
0: Welcome to another episode of American Timelines. I'm Amy and that's Joe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and this is the podcast that brings you all the pop culture history and true crime from the past.
1: Not that I need to correct you or tell you if you're right or wrong. <clears throat> because I'm a man. That's misogynistic. It sounded misogynistic, but
0: <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm just
1: agreeing with you. So okay.
0: well, I
1: assume you're right, but I don't know because I'm just a dumbass and you're the smart, beautiful woman. How about that?
0: All right, so this is the
1: podcast. All right, stop. (laughs) That brings you today.
0: We're going to talk about 1959. That's Mm -hmm. where we're at.
1: Yes, and
0: specifically July
1: and August. Isn't it kind of funny that we're in the middle of July and we're actually covering the month of July, 1959? How many years ago is 1959 compared to now? Don't
0: give me math questions. We're recording this
1: because you could be you could be listening to this eight years from now. We are recording this. In July of 2023. That's right. All right. So you do the math, folks.
0: So I'm going to actually start us off today. Yeah. Um, Let's do
1: that. Uh, Let's start with you.
0: I am going to tell the story of the three Christ's.
1: Oh shit! What? You didn't get? Did you get that message? That I sent you another one that you did? Yeah. It's also a murder. Like you could do both I didn't, of them.
0: No, that's you're giving me too much homework.
1: Okay, so you get to do three Christs. I'll cover the murder. All right, fine. But I'm not going deep dive into it.
0: It's a reverse American timeline.
1: It is a reverse cowgirl American timeline.
0: All right. So this was actually a movie that I watched yesterday. A film uh, called Three Christs and mm. starring Peter Dinklage. Yeah, the fabulous.
1: But it's based on true story, I assume. It's, Peter Dinklage. It is, is awesome.
0: based on loosely. Let's put it loose. It was very loose. So
1: fast and loose. Um.
0: The three Christs involved three schizophrenic patients who all believed that they were Jesus Christ. Ha ha! Now
1: that seems funny. Um,
0: there was the psychologist named Milton Rokic. Okay. He went to the a psychiatric hospital in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Okay. And met
1: Ypsilanti.
0: I thought it was Ypsilanti.
1: Ypsilanti, Ypsilanti. Anyway, you keep going, and I'll do the research on that.
0: So he meets these men different times you know he he goes there and he sees the one and he thinks he's jesus christ and he's having all these problems and he's getting electroshock therapy all the time and he's always screaming and stuff and so
1: it's ipsalanta you're right i'm wrong okay but you said so he's seeing these he's all three
0: he well no he he sees this guy right yeah and then this other guy comes and he thinks he's jesus christ too and then he hears about a third guy so okay, gotcha. he um figures that if he could introduce them Mm -hmm. and then maybe they could be reasoned out of their insanity.
1: Ah, So one will be like, oh, if you're Jesus Christ, I surely can't be.
0: Right. Like, because the, because the, the story is that there's only one. Right. And part of being, believing all that is that you believe that there's
1: only one. Sure. So they thought was get them all together.
0: Right. Because he had heard about a previous grouping of two women who both thought they were the Virgin Mary. Okay. And this was at a different hospital. Okay. And um, then one of them realized that if another person claimed to be the only Virgin Mary, then she must be mistaken about her identity. And that kind of snapped her out of it. Gotcha. Okay. So, um...
1: So if it works once...
0: He decided to do this himself. He was a respected psychologist. The movie makes him out like a saint, of course. You know, he sees... All that and it was supposedly a dark comedy, but it wasn't. It's not very the the way funny. the way mental patients were treated in the nineteen fifties isn't very funny.
1: It's hard to make that funny or make light of it or find the funny in that. Yes.
0: Yeah. So in his
1: and not just mental patients in the like movie, people with developmental disabilities oh yeah. were treated like shit and like they're not they're yeah. not human. Right. They were just all like shoved in a room and. Had to fight for their food. I mean, it's awful.
0: No clothes. There was yeah. just feces all over the floor. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's so, terrible. Um, people, they treated human beings. Like and
0: this. they just, whenever um, there was a, a mental crisis, it was electroshock therapy. Yep. Drugs. Yep. That was it. They didn't really um, that do electroshock behavior therapy.
1: Man, that that was going on when I was working in the field in the two thousands. Wow. Um, We had somebody who was getting regular electroshock therapy. Nuts. Yeah. Crazy.
0: I mean, I think there might be a place for it. It worked
1: for her. Yeah. like She was always better. I don't know.
0: It's hard to say. I
1: don't know if it worked, but the person was less aggressive after having that, but probably because you just shocked the fuck out of their brain. Yeah. I don't know, I'd have to look more
0: into it. I don't know a lot about it.
1: Or if it hurts. Right.
0: I I think it does. I'm pretty sure it does. So anyway... um. So, like I said, the Bible says there's only one Jesus Christ. He yeah. thought if he intentionally introduced a bunch of people who all believed that they were Jesus, they would all get snapped out of it. Yeah. So the three yeah. Christ's were Joseph Cassell, okay. Clyde Benson, okay. and Leon Gabor. Okay. They all were ranging in age from late 30s to early 70s. Mm-hmm. And the severity of their delusions was kind of differed as well. Mm-hmm. So Joseph, mild-mannered 58 year old Joseph Cassell. He had been institutionalized for two decades. Prior to um, falling to his delusions, he was a writer and okay. thought he, and thought, and though he had never been to England, he would always claim to be English and he, that he needed to go back to England. That okay. was his big thing. He always said he needed to go back to England, even though he'd never been there. Then uh, Clyde was 70. Okay. Clyde Benson. He had dementia. And um, he would often kind of talk about earlier times. He worked on the railroad or he would talk about fishing and Mm -hmm. stuff. And he was kind of living in the past. And then Leon was 38. He was committed. He had been committed as a child um, because he had a mother that was very religious, domineering, kind of, you know.
1: Yep. Like a lot of, I think we've talked about tons and tons of people who... Have that sort of mother, and then they're
0: and then they become crazy something or, crazy or a killer, or, right? Or uh, absolutely, or, yeah.
1: It's just crazy how your upbringing really.
0: Yeah. So m- he, had, he had he had snapped at home when he was young, mm-hmm. and he demanded that his mom worship him and said that he was Jesus. <laughs> and so did it
1: work? Did she worship him? No. Oh. So she could have had him committed.
0: He and and so she had him committed. Yeah. Um, because, but she was, like I said, she was crazy too. So he, and he was the one that most looked like Jesus out of okay. the three. Yeah. So on the, f- the first day that Rokich introduced the men was July 1st. Okay. Well,
1: um, 1959.
0: Of 1959. Um, and they did use their given names, but they always would say, please, um, call me Jesus. <laughs> and like, uh. That's what I like to do. One of, Leon, the younger one. One of his quotes was, it so happens that my birth certificate says that I am Dr. Domino Dominorum et Rex Rexarum, Simplus Christianus Pyrus Mentalis Doctor. And that meant Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Simple Christian Boy Psychiatrist. Okay. He then said that his birth certificate also declared him Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hmm. Then Joseph got mad.
1: I like how the birth certificate is an official thing. Like, that's what it says.
0: Then Joseph got mad and then clyde got mad too and they all started yelling at each other okay um don't try to pull that on me because i'll prove it to you i'm telling you i'm god and then he was like no you're you're not and i'm i'm god i'm jesus christ and the holy ghost
1: so they all got upset with each other
0: yeah and leon later would say that he thought the session was mental torture
1: oh, and gosh. he said that well, they all had a god complex right mental yeah. torture for each one of them or yeah himself? for each one of them oh, okay Having to deal with these guys,
0: so Roke each assigned the men rooms next to one another and seats in the cafeteria together, as well as jobs in the laundry at the same time. Three and he made Christ's. he made sure that the three Christs couldn't get clear of each other, and consequently were constantly forced to confront the core beliefs of their identity.
1: Yeah. So in the movie, did this is that what happened too? Like yeah. They're arguing and everything. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Then weeks go by; they argue continuously. Uh, none of the men gained any ground with each other, but instead, each became more and more frustrated and frazzled. Yeah. Um, the three Christs of Ipsilani remained exactly that. The three Christs. They argued every day, and sometimes they would fight physically. Yeah. And then when they got cornered, they blamed the others as crazy or controlled by machines. Uh. <laughs> Rokic was reported by his students involved in the study as being not only absent mm. but also kind of cruel. Oh, that's not good. His students often came to question their own sanity when they spent so much time amongst patients. The students did? Yeah. Sheesh. Rokic also questioned his three patients severely and was hailed as confrontational by his students. And there was, uh, in the movie, there's like a, there's a bunch of plot add-ons you know mm-hmm. but they, yeah, he has this pretty young he has this pretty young assistant in mm-hmm. the movie and he brings her in Before she's beautiful probably. and then the you know all the guys are like you know they is just, that
1: a boner sound you just <laughs> yeah it
0: okay. was yeah.
1: Checking.
0: so um That's so he did in sound. in the in reality he did hire a beautiful research assistant and on purpose to flirt with leon the young one oh yeah in an effort to use desire as a means of pulling him out of his delusion. Uh,
1: like if I'm attracted to this woman sexually, it must not be Jesus.
0: And he did fall in love with her, he said, really? but he did not give up his delusions. Jeez. And he became all the more confused because it was just a tease because she wasn't interested in him, for well, real. Yeah. Um, and his Rokich's use of manipulation and illusion against the patient's delusions proved only more detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, and it... I didn't see this in the research but it did in the film. He would write letters to the patients from other people, either people in their delusions oh, or gosh. people that or like another like the head of the hospital or something and he would write to the patient as this other person and then the pa- and then they would get the letter and read it and think it was real. And, and that's oh, that just like fucks you up.
1: But why what was the point of that to see what they would I guess. communicate with them better, like candidly or something, or see what they'd write back? Or
0: I don't know. It, the movie didn't make it clear, and I didn't see it, so it, maybe it didn't happen.
1: You didn't see it? I thought you saw the movie.
0: No, no. I'm saying I didn't see it in the research. Oh, the you part didn't see it. The oh, gotcha, gotcha. But it was such a big part of the movie. I don't know.
1: I'm confused about that.
0: I need mean, me too. So, um, as time goes on. the men did start to humor one another's delusions Mm -hmm. and they even kind of became friends really they would defend each other against other patients
1: really they
0: stopped arguing and talked about mundane things and avoided the subject of jesus entirely really so it's kind of Roki just like well i guess i'll just end the study he was like it had been two years nothing really nothing was accomplished just
1: leave them all in there because they're in a Home or an asylum? Asylum,
0: yeah. The only difference was that Leon had changed his name to Dr. Righteous Idealized Dung.
1: <laughs> Dung or dong?
0: Dung. Like poop.
1: Like poop? hmm Idealized shit? hmm I am the shit.
0: So um, R- Rokic failed to accomplish, and this part is from allthat'sinteresting.com. What Rokic failed to accomplish within his patients, which was overcoming their delusion, he was able to realize was a condition he suffered from himself as Uh he himself had been under the false belief of omnipotence. Like
1: he's some great... Yeah, and he was like treating them like he's a god.
0: And he did explain in the intervening years he had grown uncomfortable about the ethics of his experiment. And he admitted that, quote, he really had no right, even in the name of science, to play god and interfere round the clock with their daily lives.
1: So what... Now, what was the name that the one... And which one changed their name? Leon. Leon is he the same one that had the other big long name? Yes. And what was what were those names? Can you? Yep. Uh, me he the was original name and then the new name.
0: He was Doctor Domino Dominorum at Rex Rexarum Simplus Christianus Purus Mentalis Doctor. That
1: was that, that was all his name. That was one. That was his <laughs> name,
0: and then he changed it at the end to Doctor Righteous Idealized Dung.
1: Doctor Righteous Ideal. And, and then did anybody go by R.J. Sizzle?
0: Nobody did. You know
1: who R.J. says it was? No. It's the the ambidextrous flute player on "What's Up with That."
0: (laughs) Oh my Uh. god! All right, (laughs) so that's the story of the three Christs.
1: That's awesome. Uh, That's crazy and weird and sad, though. I wonder how many.
0: I wonder how many people believe they're Jesus Christ.
1: Like that? Yeah, I think out of like, if you went and pulled every insane asylum, right? There's probably multiple that think that because it's such like a
0: that's why the like, stuff in the bible is weird to me because it's like if any of that happened today you would just put somebody in an asylum yeah because obviously they are
1: that's what i really wonder how many Ill. how many people in asylums right now are the true jesus Christ? oh please well and that's the thing but the god complex thing like mm-hmm. think of how many people have that that Aren't diagnosed and are just living in society, running companies, being a CEO. You know, like oh
0: yeah, it's sociopath.
1: Most probably straight white males have a somewhat Something. of a god complex. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just me interrupting you when you're uh, <laughs> introing the show. I'm probably a. I I don't think I'm Jesus, but
0: um, you're kind of you're kind of holy ghosty.
1: I'm holy ghosty. Yeah, a little bit. Holy ghost-ish? A little bit. Um, I'm more ghostface killer. All right. What's next? Okay, so we're going to continue on with July of 1959. See if we can get through July and August. I don't have a... I try to keep everything short and sweet. Every little bit that I have, okay? All right. July 8th, 1959 was a Wednesday. See, I'm skipping seven days. All right. A Viet Cong attack on the divisional headquarters at Bien Hoa killed United States Army Major Dale R. Buis. (laughs) Buis. B-U-I-S. Nailed that. And Master Sergeant Chester M. Ovenand... Formerly listed as the first two of 57,939 Americans to die in the Vietnam War. The first two? The first two, yep. Oh, wow. This is like the start of it. hmm Can you imagine? Like, that's a staggering number of Americans. Yeah, it is. Almost 60,000 Americans died in the Vietnam War?
0: For pointless war.
1: For for nothing. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Buis is the first on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial name. He's the first name on there.
0: Oh, I thought they were in alphabetical order. I guess you can't do I that. I guess not. Yeah.
1: July. Yeah. July. Yeah, as you find more people. July 9th, 1959 was a Thursday, and a young man named Al Sharpton preached his first sermon at the age of four at the Washington Temple Church of God in Christ in the Bed-Stuy section of Brooklyn. Okay. Four-year-old My
0: goodness. preaching. My Preaching.
1: Oh man! And I screwed up because we had a birthday, but I didn't look up school or anything. Oh goody! Kevin Nash was born on July. I don't night, know who that is. Kevin Nash, Big Daddy Diesel, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Oh my god! The leader of the NWO, no. the NWO Black and Red. No. Kevin Nash. Move on. Okay. Um, he also was Oz. He was one of his first gimmicks in WCW. He'd like dress like Wizard of Oz. It was so stupid. Yes. Probably the dumbest thing ever. Took the words right out of my anyway, mouth. Anyway, he's born in Trenton, Michigan. And then July 11th, 1959, was a Saturday, and the crew of a Pan Am flight from Honolulu to San Francisco encountered a UFO at 21,000 feet mm. over the Pacific, and the sighting was confirmed by pilots on two other airlines. Yeah. So that's three airline pilots Independently, yeah. Captain George Wilson told reporters, there was an extremely bright light surrounded by small lights, see? And the object traveled at inconceivable speed and added, I'm a believer now. my goodness. That's how we spoke. Yeah. Uh, all so the, the time. The That's how everybody spoke, yeah. yeah. Uh But I look. I try to look up stuff on this.
0: A steak and donut sandwich, please. Yeah. <laughs> you want cigarettes on that? Of course I want a cigarette. So what, do you think I'm a fairy? <laughs> Is that from us? Family that, guy. Family guy? Yeah. yeah.
1: That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, and that's the same day. Uh, so I couldn't find. I looked up stuff and I couldn't find really anything else on that except for like that. Part. I know
0: I was gonna do that one too, and then I was like, I can't find anything about it.
1: Like that's it. There was just UFOs yeah. and that, like what else is there to say? Like nobody dug deep into these guys' lives to find out if they're crack ups. Like nowadays, somebody would like. Yeah. Just expose their whole Dox personal them. lives and just yeah. like say, you know, oh, they're probably crazy because their mom was an abusive, whatever. So, but then everybody's left them alone. It's like, okay, they saw a UFO. Okay, that's fine. But that's the same day, coincidence or not, you be the judge, that guitarist of Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora, was born in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey. So there's a UFO and Richie Sambora is given to us. Mm, doesn't seem like a coincidence. Uh, The greatest band of all time, Bon Jovi, would never have existed if a UFO hadn't come down and made Richie Sambora uh, in New Jersey. He's the son of Joan, a secretary, and Adam C. Sambora, a factory foreman. Grew up in Woodbridge Township, New Jersey. Graduated from Woodbridge High School in 1977, home of the Barons. He played basketball in high school. His sophomore team won the 1975 Group 4 state title. And Sambora's first instrument was the accordion which he began to play at the age of six. All right. He began playing the guitar at age 12, following the death of Jimi Hendrix in 1970. So that, like, Jimi Hendrix made him play guitar. If Jimi Hendrix hadn't died, we also wouldn't have Bon Jovi. So UFOs, Jimi Hendrix, together, Richie Sambora, Bon Jovi.
0: All right.
1: And then on July 15th, Billie Holiday received her last rites. We talked about that mm-hmm. story already, which yeah. is sad. Uh, but then on July 17th, the Friday... Billy Holiday died at the age 44 at 3:10 a.m. uh of pulmer, pulmonary edema and heart failure caused by cirrhosis of the liver. Mm-hmm. In her final years, she had been progressively swindled out of her earnings so by sad. her estranged husband Louis McKay and she died with 70 cents. Oh in my the god, bank.
0: that's so sad.
1: Isn't that awful? Handcuffed to your hospital bed. Ugh. That's how we treated black entertainers yeah. in the 50s. Oh. It's
0: awful. Yeah.
1: July 21st, 1959, was a Tuesday, and more uplifting news, the Boston Red Sox became the last major league baseball team to integrate, 12 years after Jackie Robinson had broken the color line. In the eighth inning of a game at Chicago, Pumpsy Green entered the lineup as a pinch runner, then played the ninth inning as shortstop in a 2-1 to win over the White Sox. Green was called up from the Minneapolis Millers Club after Bobby Avila was traded to the Braves. Uh, I love the name Pumpsie Green. Yeah. It's, it's, well, and it's, what a brave guy. Well, yeah. Well, shame on them yeah, to take that long. Taking that long. But they were finally the last team to integrate, and what a dumb way to do it. And, you know, take that long. But I'm sure he At least was, they did.
0: I'm sure there was people yelling
1: at him and stuff, too. Well, I do want a Minneapolis Millers hat now. Yeah. Uh, because that team probably is defunct. Yeah. Pumpsie Green, y'all. Pumpsy Green. You now know who Pumpsie Green is if you didn't know before. July 24th, 1959, was a Friday. The kitchen debate took place between Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev and American Vice President Richard Nixon. Have you heard of this? At Moscow's Sokolniki Park? No. You ever heard of this? The kitchen debate? I I thought this was famous. Um, It's where the American National Exhibition was being held. uh, And at a display of a model kitchen, Khrushchev and Nixon argued, through interpreters, over the merits of communism versus capitalism. Both recounted the incident years later in six crises by crises by Nixon and uh, and in Khrushchev remembers. Time magazine would later describe the first public discussion between the Soviet and American officials as what may be remembered as peacetime's peacetime diplomacy's most amazing twenty four hours. So this was like a kind of a famous thing. I think oh. there was a movie or something about the the kitchen debate.
0: Doesn't okay. that,
1: sound, that doesn't sound ringing a no. for you? Okay. Um, July 26, 1959, William Rankin, uh, a pilot. This is a fucking crazy story. Uh, <laughs> he was a pilot, and he ejected from his jet at 45,000 feet. What? He, he ejected? Yeah. You know, like a...
0: Like popped out of his seat? Popped
1: out of his jet, yeah. At 45,000 feet, and he spent the next 40 minutes being thrusted up and down inside a thunderstorm like oh, you, I've heard
0: this story You heard this? I think it was it a tornado or was it just a It was just storm? a
1: horrible thunderstorm but it happened to be so crazy that it just kept Oh yes. kept like floating so like he he, he was al- like
0: in the clouds yeah, with the electrical cu- storm the lightning and the a thunder, cum-
1: thunder. Cumulonimbus A
0: cumulonimbus
1: cloud Cumulonimbus cum- Cumulonimbus cumulonimbus I said it. Uh, only one person ever has survived a fall through cumulonimbus crowd, cl- cloud, <laughs> pilot William Rankin. The descent began, uh, this one says 47,000 fevers, for, approximately 45,000. He ejected directly above the cloud formation after an engine failure over South Carolina. Uh, he suffered frostbite and probable lightning strike. <laughs> Oh my god! Poor guy, lasted over. Can 40, you imagine? Because his parachute malfunction, that's why it took oh over my god. forty minutes. Forty minutes of sitting, of in falling a,
0: in in a thunderstorm, just in the sky.
1: Yeah, just like I would have died of a heart attack, getting hit by lightning, and yeah, how did he not die? Yeah, I would have crazy. died of a
0: heart attack and it's fear.
1: Yeah, do you think a lot of people? A lot of people want to sleep with him afterwards because of that? Like, oh, he's man. probably
0: got PTSD big time. Yeah, he probably has nightmares.
1: Should we ask him? Is he still alive? Probably not. No, probably not. This is nineteen fifty nine. Yeah. I didn't do any more research on the guy. Probably should have.
0: I think there was a dollop about it.
1: A dollop? I, look, I looked it up. There's not a whole lot of information on this. Uh, he was... Yeah, it had been 40 minutes. It's, conditions finally calmed at the end, and he descended into a forest. Uh,
0: did his parachute finally open?
1: I guess, I guess. it finally did, and... He searched for help and eventually was searched for help and was admitted to a hospital in a North Carolina. Yeah, he had frostbite, welts, bruises, and severe decompression. I don't um, know what that means. And he wrote "The Man Who Rode the Thunder" about his experience. It was a book. Yeah. Uh, so you can check that out. And yeah, it was on the March second, twenty seventeen episode of the Dollop podcast.
0: Oh, it did uh, say that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dollop, big time. We're not. We're not really time. No. But yeah. And so how about that? That's pretty cool. Pretty cool, interesting thing. So check out the dollop episode. They probably went more detail than we're going to go because we've got other things to cover on American Timelines by History for Jerks. July 28th, 1959 was a Tuesday. Oh. Hmm. Uh-oh. I think we have a discrepancy because I have the same thing for that date. So it was either the 26th or the 28th. Okay. Uh, It's one of those dates. Not a biggie. So listen to the dollop if you really want to know when it happened.
0: Yeah.
1: Quit listening to us. July July 20th. Yeah. Why why would you listen to us, dumbass? Listen to a better podcast. Just kidding. You know the big ones? that got money. We don't have money. We're just trying to get by. We're doing this for fun. Don't you want to listen to fun people? August 1st. We're in August now. Saturday, August 1st, 1959 was a Saturday. And John Gotti, 18 years old, was arrested for the very first time. Oh, my gosh. In a raid on a New York gambling establishment. So he started young. Started young, baby, 18. And then Friday, August 7th, six city blocks in downtown Roseburg, Oregon, were leveled at 1.20 a.m. by the explosion of a dynamite truck. Oh, my God. The blast killed 14 people and left a 50-foot-wide crater.
0: How many blocks? What did it say?
1: Six City blocks.
0: Oh, my God, that's huge.
1: Yep, a 50-foot crater.
0: Oh, my God.
1: 50-foot wide. In the early morning hours of August 7, 1959, a fire at Garrison Building Supply Company had ignited the truck that was parked on the, the adjacent street. The truck was carrying a two-ton load of dynamite and four and a half tons of ammonium nitrate. Well, oh. I wonder where, I sh- where should I leave this dynamite truck. Ah, I'll just leave it anywhere. It's not like there's, there's going like- to be a fire or anything. The subsequent blast leveled eight and this one says eight city blocks. It's the same article. That's how Wikipedia is. Though. Yeah.
0: The
1: explosion created a crater. And this one says 52 feet in diameter and 12 feet deep. 300 businesses within a 30-block radius were damaged by the blast. Actually, the first sentence was from Wikipedia, and the rest of this is from uh, cityofroseburg.org. So I guess I will take their word for it. Okay. Um. um yeah. Of the of the 300 businesses that were damaged, 72 were declared structurally unsafe, resulting in major repairs and renovations. This is like the middle of the town, too. Twelve buildings beyond uh, the eight-block perimeter were condemned. The face of Roseburg changed forever in an instant. The explosion eventually became commonly known as The Blast. So I think if you went to Roseburg now and just mentioned, oh, is this where The Blast was, people would still know. Maybe, yeah. Uh, Mr. Pat Sullivan, a bystander very near the blast site that night, related the following story. I was about 20 feet from the intersection on Pine and Oak, and I could see Don D'Souza. I could see him in his Centennial police uniform outlined against his truck. Bill Unrath and somebody else, I don't know who it was, were standing by the Coke building. Assistant Fire Chief McFarlane and another fireman were standing down by the fire truck. A real good heavy blaze was going on at the time. It was reaching well up. As I was running down, I started to see the sides of the truck starting to bulge, and I hit the dirt. Thank God for Korea. Hmm. And, that last, and, and that was the last time I saw Don DeSue's. I got hit in the chest with a piece of metal. I started to get up, and the suction of the blast knocked me down again. Oh, my God. The piece of metal went through the pack of cigarettes I had just bought and lodged in my chest. At that time, there were no lights whatsoever. Everything was completely dark except for the electrical cords that were bouncing around on the streets that had been blown down from the deal. Jeez. Fourteen people died in the blast. Many Roseburg citizens were injured. Countless stories have been recorded of heroic acts performed at the time of the blast and of the rescue and the cleanup that continued for weeks following the destruction. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. That's a crazy story. Yeah, it does. So check out cityofroseburg.org uh, and look up the blast if you want to know about that. But we got to move on to yes. Sunday, August ninth, nineteen fifty nine, when we have a birthday. Hit it, Matt Truman ego trip. <laughs> I forgot to do the birthday song on the other one. So oh, that's all right. So we have an American rap artist known as Curtis Walker was born in New York City. You know who that is? One Curtis of the first... Blow? Curtis Blow, yes. He was raised in Harlem. He attended CCNY, the community, community College of New York, I think it's called, home of the Beavers. Other notable alumni include Stanley Kubrick and Judd Hirsch. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, in 1979 at the age of 20... Curtis Blow became the first rapper to be signed by a major label, Mercury, which released Christmas Rappin'. It sold over 400,000 copies, becoming one of the first commercially successful hip-hop singles. The follow-up, The Breaks, These Are The Breaks, sold over a half million copies. He released 10 albums over the next 11 years, and he's been at my workplace several times because he he comes with uh, Hip-Hop Nutcracker every year. Curtis Blow's awesome. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Good fella. He's good at high-fiving. He likes pizza. August 10th, 1959 was a Monday.
0: Now you can tell him you know when he was born and freak him out. I will.
1: I'll say, oh, I heard you went to CCNY, baby. And he'll probably kick me in the ball and say, get away from me.
0: He'll probably think you're a stalker.
1: I would say, I don't like Judd Hirsch. Uh, August 10th, 1959 was a Monday. Four of the five singers for the Platters, who had hit number one earlier in the year, with Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Four of them were arrested in Cincinnati and charged with soliciting prostitutes and Uh using drugs. Uh The charges were eventually dismissed, but the group's concert dates were canceled and DJs refused to play their records for several months. God. Asshole DJs. Remember, it's still the 50s. We're still hanging on to the 50s. August 11th, 1959 was a Tuesday and Gil Carter, do you know who Gil Carter is? No. He hit possibly... The longest home run in all history mm. of anything. Wow. As reported in the Sporting News, uh, Potashers player, Carlsbad Potashers, her minor league team, I want a hat of them too. I actually almost bought one yesterday by refrained. Carlsbad Potashers player Gil Carter hit a majestic home run at Montgomery Field uh, on a hot August night. He was a former heavyweight boxer, and he smashed a pitch through Carlsbad's High elevated air, and out of Montgomery Field, the ball carried over the left field wall, soared past two city streets, and landed in a peach tree. Oh my God! A newspaper reporter later took an aerial photo from a plane and used that picture to estimate the ball at traveling 733 feet. Wow! Now my brother John, I was telling him about this, and he's a baseball yeah boner guy. Loves baseball, just has a boner for it. He's like, that's impossible. That never happened. Uh, Tell
0: him it's true. I
1: you know. Allegedly, it's true. Carter's hometown paper, the Topeka Capital Journal, said the blast is considered the longest home run in baseball history. Uh, the official score estimated the home run to have traveled 650 feet. However, those photographs, like I said, said 700 to 733, uh, which would make it the longest ever in all of professional baseball. The ball itself was signed by Carter and notes the distance of 733 feet. He was indi- inducted into the National Baseball Congress Hall of Fame in 2015. Okay. And that brings us to August 12th, which was a Wednesday. Uh, high schools in Little Rock, Arkansas reopened a year after being closed in order to avoid integration mm-hmm. f- because of fucking Governor Orville E. Fobbus, motherfucking bitch, mm-hmm. uh, addressed a crowd. He addressed a crowd of a thousand segregationists in front of the state capitol. All two schools, each admitting three black students, were beginning classes. Afterward, a group of 200 protesters outside of Central High School were dispersed by city police. Assholes. Yeah. August 14th was a Friday, and Earth was photographed for the first time from an orbiting satellite. Explorer 6, which had been launched on August 7th, and the first image ever taken from Earth... Uh, or from outside of Earth, from an altitude of about 27,000 kilometers or 17,000 miles, showed the clouds over the Northern Pacific Ocean. If you look at this up online, you can't even tell what it is. But uh, the photo was crude. It demonstrated the potential of observ- observing weather patterns from orbit. And this is the same day we have our other birthday. Hit it, Matt Truman. Go trip. you hate birthdays i don't hate birthdays oh you don't i hate
0: the birthdays you choose to cover well you're gonna like
1: you're gonna like this one okay well maybe you won't i don't know Irvin magic johnson was born in lansing michigan Mm -hmm. he's an important guy yeah i mean uh he was born to general motors assembly worker Irvin senior and a school janitor christine he had six siblings and three half siblings by his father's previous marriage uh He was influenced by his parents' strong work ethic. His mother spent many hours after work each night cleaning their home and preparing the next day's meals while his father did janitorial work at a used car lot and collected garbage, all while never missing a day at General Motors. Wow. So his dad had three jobs. His mom did everything. Uh, Johnson would often help his father on the garbage route, which made kids tease Magic Johnson in school, called yeah. him Garbage Man, Yeah, uh, you can imagine. Uh, yeah. His mother raised him in the Seventh-day Adventist church, but he came to love basketball as a young man, and his favorite basketball player was Bill Russell, whom he admired for his many championships and his athletic more than his athletic ability. He also idolized players such as Earl Monroe and Marquez Haynes, and he practiced all day. Johnson came from an athletic family. His father played high school b-ball in his home state of Mississippi, and Johnson learned the finer points about the game from him. But his mother, originally from North Carolina, North Kakilaki, where we're recording American Timelines right now, also played basketball as a child, and she grew up watching her brothers play the game. Mm. Uh, By the time he reached eighth grade, he began to think about a future in basketball, he was a dominant junior high player. Once scored forty-eight points in a game, and he was looking forward to playing at Sexton High School, a school with a great basketball team and a great history of basketball. Um, and used to be right by, and it was right by his house. But his plans underwent a dramatic change when he learned that he would be bussed to the predominantly white Everett High School mm. instead of going to this school. Um, and Everett was home of the Vikings. Notable alumni include Alexa Kennedy, the first black female neurosurgeon. Uh, Johnson's sister Pearl and brother Larry had also bussed to Ever the previous year and did not have a good experience there were tons of racism rocks being thrown at buses carrying Mm. black students and white parents refusing to send their children to school all that bullshit that we've been talking about for several episodes Larry was kicked off the basketball team his brother uh, after a confrontation during practice prompting him to beg his brother Magic not to play don't play, don't bother with it, uh, but he joined the basketball team en- anyway, and he became angry after several days with his new teammates, because they ignored him during practice, they wouldn't pass the ball to him, he nearly got into a fight with another player uh, before the head coach intervened. Eventually, he accepted his situation, and a small group of black students that went there looked to him as their leader. When recalling events in his autobiography, My Life, he talked about his time at Everett and how it changed him. He said, as I look back on it today, I see the whole picture very differently. It's true that I hated missing out on Sexton. In the first few months, I was miserable at Everett. But But being bused to Everett turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to me. It got me out of my own little world and taught me how to understand white people, how to communicate and deal with them, Mm. (laughs) which fucking sucks that you have to do Mm -hmm. that. Stupid white people. God damn, white people. No what Okay, we're getting through. We're slugging through. I only got like a couple things left. Can you make it? Yeah. August 17, 1959 was a Monday. Uh, the 1959 Hebgen Lake earthquake, also known as the 1959 Yellowstone Earthquake, occurred in the western United States in southwestern Montana. It measured 7.2 on the I guess the Moment Magnitude Scale, because I don't know if they have the Richter Scale yet. It caused a huge landslide, resulting in over 28 fatalities, and left $11 million worth of damage. Oh, man. The slide blocked the flow of the Madison River, resulting in the creation of Quake Lake. A new lake was formed by this. Uh, Significant effects of the earthquake were also felt nearby Idaho and Wyoming, and lesser effects as far away as Puerto Rico and Hawaii.
0: Earthquakes are terrifying. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. What do you do? The strongest and deadliest earthquake to hit Montana. Uh, The second was in 1935, uh, 1936. Yeah, I've never been in an earthquake, I don't think. I I mean, other than just a tiny one, because where I was. Yeah,
0: I haven't either. I mean, I think there was a tiny one in St. Louis. Because St. Louis, well, Missouri's on a fault line, Yeah. the New Madrid fault line. Oh,
1: really? So I would assume you'd have a lot of them.
0: Yeah, I only remember... One in high school where the I was at school, and it shook.
1: Shook a little bit. Yeah, but Not it wasn't bad. a big deal. Yeah. Friday, August 21, 1959, during the countdown of the first programmed Little Joe launching uh, at Wallops Island, the escape rocket fired prematurely 31 minutes before the scheduled launch. So the spacecraft Whoops. rose to an altitude of 2,000 feet and landed about 2,000 feet from the launch site. Premature firing was caused by a faulty escape circuit. Premature.
0: Premature I'm, I'm not
1: the only one who's premature. Uh, and then the flag of Hawaii was uh, revealed uh, because Hawaii was proclaimed the 50th state on the same date right. of the U.S. At 3.14 p.m. Washington time and 9.14 a.m. in Honolulu, Honolulu. President Dwight D. Eisenhower called William F. Quinn who was then administered to the, who was then administered the oath as the first state governor, Quinn had been the last territorial governor appointed by Eisenhower in 1957. Eisenhower then issued Executive Order 10834, prescribing the standards for the 50-star American flag. Hmm. Same day, NFL quarterback Jim McMahon was born. Boom, Hawaii and Jim McMahon born the same day. Uh, and that's the same day that professional baseball was played at Brooklyn's Ebbets Field for the last time. And then that brings us to August 24th, which is a Monday. And the U.S. Senate officially increased in size to 100 senators. Right. As Hiram L. Hiram L. Fong and Oren E. Long, Fong and Long of Hawaii, were administered mm-hmm. the oath of office by Vice President Richard Nixon. And the U.S. House of Representatives had its largest number of n- uh, members ever. Uh, as Hawaii's Daniel K. Inouye was administered the Oath of Office by Speaker Sam Rayburn, bringing the number to 437. How about that?
0: How about that?
1: That shit's got to happen. And uh, that'll take us to August 29th, which was a Saturday. And this isn't America, but this is interesting. The Casbah Coffee Club, located at West Derby in suburban Liverpool open for business. Yeah, The Les Stewart Quartet had been scheduled to play on opening night, but the group broke up after an argument. Instead, quartet members George Harrison and Ken Brown, who oh. were in that quartet, they teamed up with two members of the Quarrymen, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, and the four guitarists played the opener. And dissatisfied with the pay, though, Ken Brown quit and said, fuck you guys. This is going nowhere. But he
0: regretted that the (laughs) rest of his life.
1: Yep. And the Quarrymen, after six weeks, while... Oh, he quit the... I don't know. He quit. Right. Uh, And Lennon, McCartney, and Harrison went on to greater fame. Right. And that's the same day that Lightning killed nine people in one afternoon in the northeastern United States. The dead were three picnickers in Pottsville, Pennsylvania... Two golfers, one in Hartford, Connecticut, and one in Rumson, New Jersey, a boater in White Plains, New York, and a man working on a roof in Jersey City, New Jersey. Lightning killed all those guys the same day. Man. A man oh, also a man standing outside the Bronx in New York, and a housewife standing in her kitchen sink in Dartmouth, Massachusetts.
0: What's the deal?
1: God needed those all those people. They oh. probably formed Voltron in heaven. Yeah, they might be. August 30th, 1959 was a Sunday, and this is... This is the one I was going to give you, but uh, uh, dressed in a black cape with a red lining, 15-year-old Salvador Agron murdered two other teenagers, Tony Krasinski and Bobby Young, on a New York City playground in a mistaken belief that they were members of a rival street gang, but they really weren't. The story would later inspire The Cape Man, a 1998 Broadway musical authored by Paul Simon and Derek Walcott. Huh. never heard of that. Nope. And you could have covered that whole murder, but you decided you wanted to cover the three G's eyes instead. And that brings us to the last thing in August of 1959. last thing of note, David Carr died. He was a 25-year-old English apprentice printer. Mm-hmm. Died at the Manchester Royal Infirmary from an unknown disease that destroyed his immune system. And his tissue samples were saved for future study. This hmm. was nineteen fifty nine. Thirty years later a team of researchers would conclude that Carr, whose name would be revealed by a newspaper expose, had been infected with HIV hmm. more than twenty years before the virus's identification as the cause of AIDS and reported their results oh. in the July seventh, nineteen ninety issue of the Lancet. Yeah, so it actually HIV was first known in August of nineteen
0: fifty nine. Wow Isn't that crazy. Yes.
1: And that's going to conclude this episode of American Timeline by History for Jerks.
0: All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to all this bullshit. But it's interesting stuff, man. we got to talk about it.
0: Yes. Yeah, don't we? I think.
1: And we will be, um, obviously, this episode has come out late because we're on vacation. It's summer. <laughs> yeah. We're at the lake. So this is coming out a week late. Um, everything's all messed up, but we'll get back to it. Y'all are used to it. We right. love you. Yeah. Does anybody care? Let us know. Nobody cares. Tweet us at History for Jerks. I'm pretty soon sure I'm gonna stop saying tweet us because Twitter is awful now.
0: Twitter sucks.
1: Get on threads, everybody. Get on threads. Thread us. Thread us at History for Jerks? I don't know. Is that an at? How's threads work? I'm not sure yet. No,
0: I don't know. You all can right.
1: uh TikTok us at Gruff and Loud Show.
0: TikTok, baby.
1: Check out the Gruff and Loud Show. Gruff is the best thing ever. You'll love that guy.
0: Alright, it's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Yeah, get out
1: of here, Chuck Berry. I love you all. Ego Trip is the greatest band of all time. Buy their music.